Hey, good morning, guys. I got a question. What about another option that I think makes a lot of sense, which is trading down to one of these other teams that that want to move up and collecting some more first-round picks and, and later-round picks, getting a guy like Marvin Harrison or Joe Alt or the edge rusher Turner, and then also using your ninth pick on one of these other quarterbacks that nobody's talking about, Jaden Daniels, McCarthy, even Bo Nix. Why wouldn't why wouldn't that be in consideration? Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. And that was our guy Bob and Aurora who hmm. asked that question before we broke, and you claim to have the perfect answer. I don't have the perfect answer. You but said I, perfect. I said I said I have an answer. And this is just the way I look at it. It's a fair point of view and a reasonable question to ask. And I think it also is a de- defensible position. But I would ask you this in, in response to a question, I'd answer it with a question. Do you think the Bengals would prefer they had traded down to surround their roster with pieces and, and edge rushers and offensive linemen and great receivers, or do they want Joe Burrow? Do you think the Bills, not first overall, would have traded the chance to take Josh Allen for a lot of infrastructure, a lot of talent that they could have gotten maybe for trading that pick. How about the the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence or maybe the Texans with C.J. Stroud Mm. at number two? My point is this. When you draft an elite quarterback, it makes everything else possible. When you draft a quarterback that you can win win with and compete and contend, and you add pieces, it, it's, it's different. It just hits different. And when you have one of those guys, one of those special guys, I think you take advantage and you don't pass up at the opportunity. I think that's the position the Bears find themselves in now. Yeah, I, I mean, look, you take the best player at whatever position that you can get, and there's obviously going to be a difference as you trade down. Are there some guys – that that could be um, really good quarterbacks in the NFL that you don't think of right now as the number one overall pick. Yeah, I mean, of course. But I think that when you're really looking at it, you've got to you've got to understand that a lot of these quarterbacks. You know, it, this is a draft with a lot of quarterbacks in it, and that means that the Bears with the first overall pick have a lot of options. But by the end of the draft, there's going to be one player who's sort of a consensus top guy. Right now, it is um, it is Caleb Williams. Will that will he hold up through this scrutiny of of draft season? A lot of people believe he will. He's the favorite right now to be the first overall pick, and he's believed to be the best quarterback available. Are there other guys that? you think we'll end up being good quarterbacks? Yes. But if you trade down and you take a guy and he doesn't pan out, then guess what? You blew it. You blew it. You're going to regret that for a long time. For a generation. You know, it's a crazy idea. You you have a luxury. You do. If you trade down, it wouldn't make any sense taking a quarterback because Mm -hmm. if you trade down, you're committing to Justin Fields. You could take a quarterback, but if you're trading down for all the picks, then you're trying to – surround Justin Fields with talent, not necessarily competition. I just don't know that you pass up on this chance. No. That is a rare one. As you pointed out earlier in the show, 
Last year, Caleb Williams would have been the first overall pick. And we're talking about a, a, a quarterback class that included Bryce Young, who came in amid much hype, didn't have a good rookie year, and C.J. Stroud, who did and had, had a historically good rookie season and is still playing, by the way. So that tells you what a team can do when you plop a rookie quarterback into a defense that's ready to play behind an offensive line that protects him. And, uh, you know, they do have a defensive-minded coach, D'Amico Ryans, but he has a very offensive, innovative, offensively innovative play caller in Bob Sloak Jr. Mm-hmm. I do wonder this, Molly. Not, we're not going to be an expert on the Texans. Which is – is it because C.J. Stroud is special or is it because Bobby Sloak Jr. has put him in, in great situations to succeed? Maybe a combination of both. I think he's special. I do too. I, I think he's special. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not – I don't want to diss the job anyone's done, but I think he's a pretty damn good player, as mm-hmm. is evidenced by the fact that not only did they make the playoffs, they won a playoff game. I, I think he's a good player, and I think that that's what you want. You want to be able to win in the playoffs. You know, say what you want about Jordan Love and, and him starting. They went into Dallas. I, it's a lot more impressive to win a road playoff game, even against the team that, that, you know, has a coach who doesn't win in the play, whatever way you want to term it, that's a good football team that Dallas has put together. And they had a lot of guys under scrutiny and under pressure, and none of them lived up to it. But Jordan Love, that was a great performance. Before the playoffs began, I felt like you could look at two defenses that could carry their teams as far as they were going to go. I think in the AFC it was the Browns. Mm. I didn't know if – you know, Joe Flacco could still find the magic or whatever limitations they had offensively. But that defense you was – You thought your defense was good enough to win. I, you, you did. Yeah. Because that – Miles Garrett and company, right? Exactly. And they didn't do that because C.J. Stroud shredded that defense apart and, and did whatever he typically does. And by the same token, you look at – in the NFC, it was the Cowboys. Yes. Micah Parsons and company, bland with all his picks, sixes, and wow. all the things. Dan Quinn – pushing all the right buttons. And you know what Jordan Love did? He shredded that defense. So you had C.J. Stroud against the best defense left in the AFC, and he had Jordan Love against the best defense in the NFC, and elite quarterback play matters. And those are two prime examples why you don't pass up on this opportunity if you're Ryan Poles, because when you have one of those guys, everything else seems to fall into place. And look, I, I mean, is it possible that the top – uh, quarterback out there, the guy everyone believes the, that he doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. But, you know, the odds are you take the best guy, you're going to get the best player at that position. I don't know. Are there problems? Yes. Do they have to have everything figured out? You would hope. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the the real thing to do is to settle on a guy that has – such an issue that he's going to be a boomer bust type guy. You would rather have a guy with enough consistency to make you believe you're going to do okay. Yeah, settling is the wrong verb at this stage of the Bears' progress and development. You don't want to settle. You want to be ambitious. You want to uh, seek more. You want to be better at that key position, and I think they can be in this draft. All right, 312-644-6767. Let's try Justin. He's on the Odyssey app. Hey, Justin. 
Hey, Justin. Don't tell me we lost that. Justin, not now. You can't tell me we lost that. Bad idea. Let's keep moving. We'll try Greg. He's on the road. Greg, surely you're there. Hey, Greg. Yes, I am. How you doing? Good. Good. Thank you. Uh, I want to talk a couple things about Justin Fields. Okay. Uh, this was this was the first year that he had decent protection and a number one receiver to throw to, and I've seen him improve three different ways. Mm-hmm. I've seen him step up into the pocket to avoid the edge rush, which is going to lower his sacks. I've seen him learn to throw the ball away, which is going to lower interceptions, and. When he scrambles, he now has two hands on the balls, which is going to lower fumbles. In my in the draft, I think they should do what they did last year: exchange number one for two number ones, number two, and a plug-in player to start immediately. And they need a center and a guard. Thanks for the yeah. phone call, Greg. Yeah, but you don't take a center, you know, in the. With the top pick, you know, and you or don't guard. take a guard. No. no, they do need centers. They need a lot. And guards, you can find some of those guys maybe in free agency. You can find a center in the second or third round of the draft. You don't want to wait too long because the best ones will be picked over. But that is definitely near the top of the Bears' priority list. It starts, I think, with you know the most important position. But you, you, you look at that offensive line, and they do need some stability and some consistency. You know, here's the thing. I, I mean, our quarterbacks overdrafted absolutely every year. Teams will create a player at that position because they need one. So, you know, I uh, looking at look at the Fields draft, right? You look at some of those guys. That those were some bad picks because I told you, you. know you had guys <laughs> that that were kind of created because you needed a guy, and so you picked one. And you rolled the bones on. There were five quarterbacks taken in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft. Yep. The only one still uh, active in the playoffs this season was Trey Lance. Which is absurd. <laughs> this is absurd. He, he's not now playing. Now he's eliminated. So and he's been run out. None of those guys. And all of them are so subject to trade rumors. Your first player taken was um, Trevor Lawrence. And he's good. I think he's good. And I think that's fine. He got to the playoffs. And you thought that it was between him and Justin Fields. Yep. But no, you had Zach uh, Wilson. Wilson. Bust. Created. Not a good player. Great pro day, though. Yeah. Terrific pro day. That, that, how far does that get you? And newsmaking mom. Um, you had uh, Trey Lance. Yeah. Again. He was a creation. Total creation. With his greatest quality was that no one knew what he could do. And His greatest quality was there wasn't a lot of tape on him. Nothing. There was nothing on He him. was all potential, all promise, very little production. Right. So those are the first three picks. Those are the first three. Draft. Then there's Justin Fields. And he's he's down, right? He's well, a, 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 you know, a, you drop a bit for the Bears to trade up for him, and you get Justin Fields here. And, you know, it's, it hasn't been overly successful. 38 NFL starts. There's a body of to, work there. There's not a small sample we're size. We're not blaming him for everything that happened. The highs have been high. The lows have been. There have been really good yeah. wow plays among the inconsistent. Intoxicating highlights. Makes and you then, say wow a lot. And then Mac Jones was yeah. the first-round pick. In that he is really faded. Yes. He's, he hasn't been a guy that this season took that jump. He can't trust him any longer. Probably going to be. 
He's going to go the Mitch Trubisky route, probably be a backup for the bulk of his career, maybe land with a couple other teams. Good guy to have in the room, but not a guy that you trust on Sunday. Yeah, so is is J.J. McCarthy going to be a better quarterback than, you know, Jaden Daniels, whoever is is deemed to be ahead of him to a point where he'll be drafted higher? We'll see. I don't. I don't know the answer to well, that. Well, Dustin I'll told me what. that the Harbaugh is going to go to the Falcons and they're going to draft JJ McCarthy. I think that's what Dustin said during the break. Didn't he say that? <laughs> I don't know. So, in in all seriousness, yes, I know. Here it comes. Local guy made good. Yeah, mm-hmm. love this. Love the story. The Grange Park. Grange Park. Yep. All that stuff. Yep. I think there's a better chance of the Falcons giving up their first-round pick to the Bears for Justin Fields than there is for J.J. to get drafted by the Falcons. But if the Falcons want to hire Jim Harbaugh and draft J.J. McCarthy with the eighth or ninth pick, whatever it is, the eighth eighth pick, go right ahead. Okay. Because they won't be a factor. Because they won't be a factor. You saying that the Falcons are going to give up the eighth overall pick for Justin Fields to me is... I'm saying I believe it's... More football smart to, to give the here. Bears the eighth pick for Fields than it is to draft J.J. McCarthy with the eighth pick. That's what I'm saying. Well, mm. I mean, you don't have to draft him with the eighth pick. You could. Probably, I didn't say you did. That's what my, David said. I was reporting. But my point is, if you if he's the guy you have to have, you could probably trade down five spots and get him. Could, right? You could. But, uh, and I'm uh, saying five. It could be uh, more. I, and I don't know. Saying, but if you want to lock into them, you could probably go down five and get them. I think both things are highly implausible with right. that eight pit, eighth pick. But I do think that if you're forcing me to pick one, which is more likely to happen, the Falcons aren't giving up an eighth overall pick for Justin Fields. I'm sorry. He's um, not going to go that high. Is Jaden Daniels going higher than that? Could he go with yes, the eighth pick? Yes. Okay. Would you rather him than Justin Fields? What that's I'm saying. What I'm. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, I, JJ, I, don't, I don't know that's that. That's a ridiculous I, I don't place think so. to put him. Here's here's the thing I'm I'm anticipating, and we've seen it happen before. You have Caleb Williams is going one. Drake May's going two. Yeah. Where's Michael Penix Jr. going to go? Probably top ten. Then Jaden Daniels. He's going to be run on quarterbacks. All of a sudden. And they're going to be created players at that position. Dustin is mocking me. Michael Penix Jr. Uh, David, I'm not going to ask the question because I know you did. I did watch the game. I did watch the National You would draft Michael Penix Jr. in the top 10? These things happen in the NFL draft. The last game, can you tell me what happened in Anthony Richardson's last game at Florida? No, because you forget it. Because he had a great pre-draft process. He started the combine. He was a creation. You know what? He was a good rookie quarterback for the Colts before he got hurt. This happens every year. Why is this always having to be like something that people resist? There are creations in the, in, the, in the draft. You create, you create, and you overdraft quarterbacks. All the time. All the time. You create, and you overdraft pass rushers. All the time. Mm-hmm. Because... Those are huge positions of need. If you have a quarterback, you have a chance. If you don't have a quarterback, you better be able to stop the quarterback. This is like basic NFL stuff. You know, Dustin, your argument about Drake May is is more interesting to me than about who somebody should take in the top ten. The idea that this guy is more prototype than productive is a really interesting idea. This is... Drafting a this is drafting a guy like Josh Allen, 
This is looking at a guy from a lower level and saying, you know, look at the size and look at the things he can do. You could project him into the league, even though it doesn't really fit in the same way. And Drake May is a guy who has – he's the prototype. Everybody, if you're building a quarterback, you want a guy that size who can do the things he can do. It doesn't mean it's a wise idea to take him at two and, or wherever he's going to end up. But it doesn't mean that it's it, – It doesn't mean he's going to fail It doesn't mean either. it's a bad idea, no. though. Because if you're the Washington Commanders, who, by the way, there was some chatter social media yesterday about how badly they would want Caleb Williams and what they would give up to bring uh, a hometown kid – into that franchise and organization. But everybody wants their quarterback. It's the same premise and idea that the Bears are going to cling to when they do eventually likely draft Caleb Williams. So everybody wants their guy. Josh Allen is an example and a comp. C.J. Stroud is an example and a comp. Jordan Love, everybody's going to want their guy. All right, we're going to bring in our guy. Uh, Bruce Levine will join us next. We're going to talk some baseball. We'll talk Cubs convention with him. We're going to get back to these calls because this is a fascinating subject. It's Mully and Hahn, the score. Baseball. Bruce Levine. It's great to talk some baseball. Score Baseball Insider, covering the Cubs and White Sox for more than 30 years. Bruce Levine is a newsbreaker. Inside the Clubhouse co-host, alongside our own David Ha. We've got a lot of baseball conversation to cover. Great being with you, talking baseball. Bruce Levine. That's a really good question, Bruce. See, Bruce, that has the first hard question. With Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always fun to talk to our guy, Bruce Levine. He joins us now on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Bruce, good morning. How are you, buddy? Good morning, guys. You recover from the Cub Convention? Are you uh, ready for spring training yet? (laughs) I just want the temperature to get to about 15. That's all. Yeah. I mean, am I asking so much? Baseball. Yeah. yeah. And we That's can not get... asking too much. No. Yeah, 15. 15's yeah, okay. 15, 15 is the new 40. <laughs> 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 all right. So uh, you've got the report about uh, Class A potentially coming in here. I love the idea. I love the idea of, of having um, – a manager like Craig Council with a lot of different opportunities in the bullpen. They got a lot of guys, but this is a, this is a guy who's a, an established closer, and you throw him in the mix. I'm not sure how Craig Council would use him because he is uh, he's a bit of an innovator. He likes to move guys around. How would you envision – this is not um, – with a manager like this, you're not looking for, like, the kind of – normal closer position because he'll determine when you need to close you're you're right about that mike uh you know if he feels uh, a guy like this is needed in the seventh or eighth inning he'll use him in the seventh or eighth inning. he'll use him in the eighth inning to get uh the last two outs and, and maybe the ninth you know an old-time closer role like uh, the days of uh, lee smith and uh, fingers and gossage uh he'll he'll do that and this guy's been a horse okay However, uh, the the wear and tear on the guy from throwing over 70 uh, in 70 games the last uh, mm-hmm. two years has uh, uh, worried uh, teams looking at possibilities of trading for Class A. And he 
without a doubt, was still a dominant pitcher leading baseball in saves last year, but he blew 12 saves, and the, and the velocity was down a tad. So you worry about it, even though it's a 25-year-old guy, you worry about, you know, if there's an arm injury waiting to happen here. And uh, the, the Indians are asking for the, for the most from the Cubs. They want Cade Horton, which is, you know, their top pitcher in their organization. And, uh, you know, with, with, with years left on uh, Class A's contract, why wouldn't you ask for the moon? And that's what they're asking for right now. So I don't know if a trade like that's going to happen. We do know that they've, they've had conversations, and, and he would fit in beautifully with the Chicago Cubs. Do not trade Cade Horton for a closer, Bruce. No way. You would not do that, would you? I understand, no. like, no, Class A makes sense, but no, Cade Horton, stay away from him. Cleveland yeah. Guardians. All right, so let's talk starting pitching. Shota Imanaga, he made a quite an impression at the Cup convention with uh, his introduction. Jordan Montgomery is a free agent that we have heard that they are flirting with. Where does Imanaga s- fit into the rotation, and what are the likely, what's the chances that Montgomery might be added? Well, I, th- I think uh, Imanaga is three or four, uh, you know, going in. You know, you, you start off with Steele and uh, Tyone, and I, I think – you know, Imanaga is either your third or fourth if you're going with, uh, you know, um, any of the veterans before him or not. Uh, I, I would think he's he's your third third pitcher. You want to go you want to go left right left right. You know, you want to have some different looks during a um, during during a, a uh, series. But I don't know if uh, if Montgomery really fits in. Uh, he's been a very good pitcher. Again, is he a high-volume uh, uh, fastball pitcher? Is he a difference in that group of pitchers that you have out there? You want to have a, 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 another look. If you're adding more rotation, you, you got to have a power arm in there somewhere. These guys are all professional pitchers, but you know, you know, the velocity is not uh, big time when it comes to the, the, the Chicago Cubs rotation. So. From that perspective, if you're if you're adding a pitcher, I don't know if it's uh, Montgomery or not. What um, you know, obviously, we were talking about it earlier. Everybody wants Bellinger back. Everybody on the team, poor poor Tom, can't stand up and say a word at the convention before the chance start. It's it's amusing uh, to to hear it all. What the, how does that translate into getting the guy? I mean, wanting him is one thing getting him at a contract that isn't you don't want to you don't want to pay 225 million for a guy that probably another team can get for 185 how do you look at it well scott boris is famous for having teams bid against themselves mm. in off seasons okay and uh he, he he took alex rodriguez in 2000 with the texas rangers he had he had that owner, uh, Mr. Hicks, bidding against himself for a month to the point where it ended up with, you know, $250 million contract for 10 years. And, and that's, you know, that's 20, 25 years ago. So you don't want to be in that position with Scott Boros and, and you don't want to play chicken with him either. However, you have to be smart and you have to have your number. And, and I, I think, you know, talking to... Um, Jed Hoyer this weekend, and uh, David and I got to talk to him on inside the clubhouse on Saturday. You, you get the feeling that he's he's being smart about it, but at the same time, you don't want to lose the guy. I mean, if Toronto comes in the last second, Giants come in the last second, they give him a sixth or seventh year, 
you're offering five or six at a good price. I mean, he's going to make somewhere between 25 and, and 28 million, I think. So I, I don't think the, the, the amount of money that he makes is the key. It's the, the amount of years. And when you're, you're dealing with Boris, you know, he's probably still asking for eight. I would say the Cubs are going to offer five or six. Uh, are you guys good with five or six for uh, 25 to 28 million a year? Yeah. Uh, it's, I, yeah, Bruce, but I don't know if Boris is going to settle for that. I mean, he's. Does he have another offer for more than well, that? Well, and, and that's why this is taking as long as it's taking. And it might go up to camp before they they settle on whatever contract they settle on because he feels like he's worth more than that and the player probably feels right. like the money's going up and he wants that. I don't I don't think they're in a position right now. They're trying to be patient with it. But I there, think there's that, one yeah. wild card to it, Mike. And and uh, and David, there's one wild card and that is the player steps in and says, "Okay, enough." My wife's playing, you know, my, my wife wants to mm. come back here. She loved it here, you know. Uh, we don't want to live in Toronto. We don't want to live in San Francisco. I think our experience was the best in Chicago. That's where I resuscitated my career. I want to go there. Well, they probably had a lot of those conversations, and Scott being the, the agent that he is and being the expert at what he does as he is probably says, just let me handle this, okay? Spring training is still another month away. Uh, the Cubs need you as much as you want them. And let's continue to uh, hash this out so we get more money and more years for you. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hope he's that reasonable. I hope it's that, that simple, Bruce. Not quite sure. Okay. How often does that happen? It, don't, very, don't, doesn't money always end up being typically, a deciding factor? Yeah, you'd like it to be no, lifestyle-related I mean, and fit-related, right. but seldom it is. Uh, you know, again, you know, when you're talking about 25 million times extra years, yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's a lot. It, what what you hear from fans, and you guys heard it all weekend, and so did I, uh, at the Cub convention. How much is enough? Okay, and and the answer is, we live in a democracy. We we live in a free market. Enough is when uh, the other uh, the other side decides not to give you any more. Okay, and, and and that's it. Unfortunately, you know, you, you hear 150 million times six years, sounds like a lot of money, and and there are risks involved with this player because of the fact he's had down years before. Okay, uh, the metrics people don't love him. If you if you if you're believing in the metrics people, you know, the hard hit ratio wasn't what they thought it should have been, uh, particularly at the end of last year. I just see a winning player out there that can play two positions at a uh, high level and uh, fit in perfectly with you. A left-handed bat that you have to have in the middle of your order, and uh, you know all the leverage falls away. With my opinion, well, your opinion's a sound one, Bruce, and we respect it. Yep. Tell me what your opinion is of what Jed Hoyer said about this being only the fourth inning of the off-season. What's ahead? in the 5th, 6th, and 7th, and what's going to happen in the 8th and ninth, Bruce? How are the Cubs going to close this offseason? Well, they're going, to, they're going to get some veteran bullpen help. You know, and I wrote in the story, as you guys alluded to, you know, about Class A as a possible trade candidate. Uh, you know, does Josh Hader fall down to you uh, asking five years? Does he end up getting two or three years with the experience that Council had with him? Uh, will that be a deciding factor in whether or not um, – 
you know, you have Hoyer going out of his comfort zone and giving uh, a closer more years than he ever wants to. You know, he told us, you know, flat out how he doesn't like the, to give long-term contracts to bullpen guys because it's too volatile and, uh, and they break down. But uh, keep your eye on Ryan Stanek, a guy that was with Houston, big strikeout guy. Robert Stevenson, who was with Cincinnati. Adam Adovino, who is a little long a tooth, but has managed to uh, throw in 66-plus games, probably 12 out of the 14 years he's been in the major leagues. These are uh, power arms in the bullpen that the Cubs are looking at as free agents. So, you know, Stanek, Stevenson, Adovino, guys that the Cubs are looking at and possibly bring in. Look, uh, Hoyer and his... um, Hoyer and his front office have done a really good job in the past bringing in veteran guys and then flipping them because they weren't ready to win yet. At this point, he's going to bring in veterans to keep all year because they they feel they're going to be an 85 to 90 win team. Um, When you think about the first base position, right? I mean, that's one of the things that's great about Bellinger is he can can move into the infield and play that very well. I mean, he's obviously a center fielder. But you can move him around a little bit. The Michael Bush deal, kind of interesting. Is he the new Matt Mervis? Is Matt Mervis going to be Matt Mervis? Where are they at with just how they're going to line him up? I, I think you have to think along with them, and that is, you know, they got a uh, power hitter from the Dodgers that no, normally wouldn't be available that would have been playing uh, if, if he was with the Reds or the Pirates or a, a small market team for the last two years in the major leagues. The fact that you have, you know, all-stars and possibly future Hall of Famers uh, blocking you with the Dodgers at first and second base made him available. He wasn't going to play with the Dodgers. They needed the room on the 40-man roster. So you got a guy that's, that's hit almost 60 home runs the last two years, uh, a big bat, you know, uh, hopefully your first baseman of the future. When I say think along with the Cubs front office, they want to build, you know, guys that are sustainable, guys that are, are going to be there for five or six years. Uh, you know, you look at morale, you know, you look at, you know, some of the young guys that are coming up. You look at Pete Crow Armstrong. Uh, you look at a guy like Bush. They don't want to be looking uh, every year on the free agent market. They want to be more like the Dodgers to be able to have a farm system and, and young players that come up and are sustainable in their lineup. So, I think Bush is going to get an opportunity there to play first every day. I do think that uh, the Cubs will try to add another veteran bat in the lineup along with um, along with Bellinger if they get him. You know, is it Chapman at third? You know, how does Morrell fit in? What position does he play? Does he you have wanna, a position? You want to trade him? Yeah. I, I, you might. I mean, look, if you make a if you make a deal, a big deal like the Class A deal would be. You know, is Morrell in a deal like that? You know, we don't know. Keep him it, too. It would be it would be more than uh, it would be more than a Class A coming back from the Indi- or from the Guardians. So, well, with all that in mind, I, I think the Cubs are still in a really good position. I know you get anxious, you know, guys, when when he says we're only in the fourth or fifth inning, but it's not like they're just waiting there in the free agent market. They're, they they've had you know significant talks with a lot of teams about trades, and I don't think they'll be afraid to pull the trigger. People like the Cubs minor league system. They like their young players. Great stuff, Bruce. Thanks, Bruce. Great catching up. All right, guys. Up. All right, Have a great day. See you Saturday. That See is ya. our guy. Well, you're back on Saturday? Back Saturday. Look at you. Inside the clubhouse, 9 to 11.
Is that it? Are you back now I'm for back. good? Or that was I'm back in. Okay. They sucked me back in. You try to get away and they hell you back. Looking in. forward to it. I really enjoy that. It's a couple hours of yes. baseball talk every Saturday morning. Oh, Christopher Morrell, Molly, had twenty six home runs and three hundred and eighty eight at bats. Mm-hmm. Why is there such a concern about where he plays? Don't he has to be in the lineup, doesn't he? Well, they Somewhere. don't know where they're gonna put him, right? I mean H. and that that is okay. That but that's kind of the issue with him is you don't have a spot where you feel good about him. Right? Right. They Fair just enough. move him around a little bit. I just so, like he's such a, a electric I presence. agree. Great great uh, energy for the team without, great energy. without a shot. All right. We got Chris Chelios gonna talk to Chris next, Molly and Hall on the score. Chris Chelios. Up the boards to Chelios with room. He shoots. Score! Bet MGM ambassador. Nice play by Chris Chelios. Hockey Hall of Famer. Chris Chelios is not human. I'm convinced of it. Not only will he go in the Hall of Fame, I think he should go in the Smithsonian. Blackhawks legend. Chelios will add defense, but he'll also add offense to the Hawks. Steve Smith ahead to Murphy. Nichols at the line. Chelios moving in. Time Stanley Cup champion. What a competitor Chris Chelios has been over the years, and he's been a winner every place he's ever been. Chris Chelios with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Always a delight to talk to Chris Chelios, and he joins us now on The Score Hotline, powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse since 1892. Chelly, good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. You know, we were talking about the the story with uh, Connor Bedard literally begging the coach to let him skate, let me on the ice. And, you know, they want to be careful, no slap shots, don't clench your jaw. But they let him out there. And, and, I mean, the kid's such a rink rat, it makes sense that he wants to just get on the ice. That's where he's comfortable. That's where he spent his life, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And, you know, the good thing is, if you know, hopefully he doesn't catch an edge and fall during this, you know, I guess you'd call it, uh, you know, conditioning stint he's on. But the good thing is when the, when the bone's healed and he's ready, he'll be he'll have his legs, which – you know, it's great when you can get out there when you're injured and at least skate. So, and like as a young, hungry kid, you can bet he's thinking all-star game. That's first thing on his mind right now, just to get back for that game and be part of that weekend. So, um, I'm sure he's going to be smart. Uh, but still, you know, bone is bone. And it, it, it won't heal before four weeks. But it sounds like he's got either a plate or screws in there to hold that thing together until it heals. Kelly, I hope you stayed up for the nine-round shootout that the Hawks won last nice. night. Goodness sakes, was that late? But I sure did, and I'm glad I did the way it ended. Cause, and I've seen Morazic in those situations before when he was a younger kid. I think he won the World Juniors, I believe, in the shootout. Um, but, yeah, it was a battle of the goaltenders, and Morazic, you know, stood tall. And then Kershev, uh, great, you know, backhand move on the uh, on Blackwood. Yeah, it, was a, it was a good shootout. The one off the post hits Blackwood in the back and then stops dead on the goal line. So it was exciting, and – you know, at least the fans left the building happy until they get out in their car and it's freezing. But anyway. And and Mrazek gets the victory. And so <laughs> there was a report from Kevin Weeks that maybe he's talking to the Blackhawks about an extension. Jason Dickinson 
signs a two-year extension with the Hawks. Nick Felino signed a two-year extension with the Hawks. Shelly, what is Kyle Davidson thinking locking up these veterans who are good leaders with a team that has a ton of prospects not yet at the NHL level? Yeah, and you still need those guys with experience, you know, to mentor these young kids. Uh, it's a lot to put on, you know, for Dard's shoulders and, and even Blasic and, and, and the rest of these young kids. It, it, and you saw what Felino brought to the table as far as, you know, supporting his teammates and, and jumping in and, and defending them. And, you know, Dickinson, what a heck of a start he's had, you know, with the opportunities been given with the injuries and, you know, the rebuild. So, uh, good for them. The only, you know, thing you think is, you know, those guys would have been pretty good trade bait uh, to get some good, more young, you know, draft picks or, or young kids. But again, uh, they've got a plan. And I think, you know, it, it's great. They, they, you know, you talk Richardson has mentioned coach Luke Richardson. These guys are still playing for jobs and now they're all getting the opportunity and there'll be some surprises with some of these new young kids in the rosters that might stick if they can, you know, make an impression and, and continue to play well. Which NFL games are you looking forward to this weekend, Chris? I mean, I'm sure you watched a lot of the action over, I think they call it now Super Wild Card Weekend, but the divisional round is usually the one of the better playoff rounds uh, there is. I mean, there should be some good games. There was only one really competitive game, and and that was kind of a questionable one where they kicked the field goal and – let uh, the Lions run out the game for the Rams and the Lions. Uh, weird games uh, this weekend. Uh, scary performances from a team like Green Bay. I don't think we want them doing well. And they go into Dallas and, and shock the world. And Jordan loves the awful good. Uh, what were your thoughts on the games? And what are you looking forward to this weekend? I mean, you guys are going to hate me, but there's only one team I like to see lose better than more than Green Bay, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've got some Madison. <laughs> I went to Wisconsin. I married a cheesehead, so I, I got a soft spot in my heart for the, the Packers. And, I, you know, I, I'm going to pull for them now to, to beat San Fran. Uh, the Detroit game, I was fortunate enough to fly, you know, to that game. Uh, I was actually happy for the, the Lions fans because it's been a frustrating 40-something years or whatever it was, and <laughs> it would have been such a buzzkill if they'd lost that game. And you're right. I, I, I was shocked they gave the ball back to them with, what was it, three and a half, four minutes yeah. left. Yeah. Um, but it was a perfect game on, on both sides. No mistakes and, you know, well coached. It was just a great game. And at the end, you know, they were, they were able to win that game at the Lions. So, um who knows? You know, now you look at Green Bay after they slaughtered, you know, uh, Dallas. They can walk, beat anybody, but it's going to be tough in San Fran, right? Just admit it, Chelly. Your son-in-law wore the green and gold. You got a cheesehead you were wearing during that Cowboy game. <laughs> I absolutely would never put on any Packer swag, okay? Let's clarify <laughs> that. I mean, I won't wear Cub stuff at, at guaranteed rate. So, you know, I'm very respectful in that sense. But as far as... No, there's no other jersey I'd wear, you know, unless it was Michael Jordan when he was playing with the Wizards. Then I, you know, I threw a, a jersey on that day. What happened with that? I thought you had him come into town last Friday night. He did. He was a no-show. Oh boy. You know, I, I, I like I said, he, he to me he usually does the right thing. I, uh, and I now I look back to the fact that they didn't commit maybe two, three weeks before they shouldn't have maybe done the event. Uh, right. You know, was a, absolute shame what happened. 
um, with the GM. Uh, Terry that, Krause, that, that was horrible. Yeah, his widow. Uh, shame on the fans for that one. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I was shocked. And, you know, the Rodman, I could tell you that. Rodman, I don't, <laughs> we all know he's got his issues. He had every intention of being there three days before, but, you know, he just couldn't get on that plane. So, anyway. Things happen, Kelly. Things happen. You know, they the, do. Life the, comes at you fast. The, the top story out of that thing. And it's a bad one is the booing of, of Jerry Krause and his w- widow weeping. The next one is Jordan and Pippen, that relationship frayed and neither are there. I, I, you know, it just wasn't a happy event. It just, it's the middle of January. It's freezing. We were saying, like, I think Luke Longley must have flown like 20 hours to show up at this thing. And no one was introduced. Like, even the event itself uh, you know, Phil Jackson was there. That's great, but uh, yeah, it was just it, it was a drag, and that even the event. I mean, I know they had a great time at dinner and all that stuff, but the actual like the halftime show just didn't hold up. Yeah, I mean, I, again, at the end of the day, I'm sure all the players were happy to see each other. They you know, they shared something really special in the '90s there with the championships. Uh, I mean, for me, again, other than the Kraus uh, incident. Uh, the, the where they showed, I think it was Shaq uh, dunking on Bill Wennington five times or something. That was <laughs> ridiculous. I don't think Bill appreciated that no, very much either. I don't so, think so. <laughs> yeah, so it was just an all-out disaster, unfortunately. And you know, but again, you know that. <laughs> anyway, That's awesome. have a great week, Shelly. Hope your Packers pull it out. <laughs> yeah, thank you. All right, you guys. Take care, buddy. <laughs> That's Chris Chelios. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are a problem. They're a problem. Listen, that Jordan Love was too damn good. If it's Packers-Lions next week, we should just take it off, take the week off. Yeah. That's going to be a tough one for Bears fans to consider. If it's Packers versus Lions well, like I said, in the, the NFC Championship the Bears actually, game. The Bears can feel proud about how they played against the Lions this year. They should have won both games. They won one. Should have. What well, should have get you? Nonetheless, should have get you fired. Should have get you apparently another should've, year in the. You should have come up Bears with another defending. way to describe that because should have coming close. Should have yeah, won. They weren't close to Green Bay. That should, team they can't match up. Should have fired somebody else. Should have gone this direction. Should have interviewed Jim Harbaugh. Should have done this oh, and boy. that. Wouldn't it be nice if he were interviewed here? I love shoulda. I don't care. Shoulda woulda coulda. Yeah. I believe is Dave Feldman's book. All right, uh, we've got. Um, we're going to get to Ross Tucker next. We're going to talk to him. He did a couple games over the weekend, and and he's going to be doing some games this weekend. We'll get into it with him next. It's Mully and Hall on the score.